Hallelujah. You may be seated. Happy Easter, everybody. Oh, I say happy Easter, everybody. Are you blessed you came to church? Okay. Well, traditionally, we talk about the story of the crucifixion, which we just read, and we glean certain information and certain um, revelations from it. But today, I, I want to back the trend. Today, I want to talk about something totally different and yet similar. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk about something and what I want to talk about is in the scripture in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And you will find the title of my message in verse 14 and the, begin, the ending of verse 14 and the beginning of verse 15. The Bible says that Lazarus is dead. And I am glad. Hallelujah. I said the title of my message is Lazarus is dead. And I am glad. Say it with me. Lazarus is dead. And I am glad. Say it again. Hallelujah. You know, anytime a story is being told, anytime a story is being told, there are different uh, eyes through which the story is told. This particular story, we can look at it from the eyes of Mary and Martha, that's the sisters of um, Lazarus. We can also look at it from the eyes of, of Jesus. And we can also look at it from the eyes of the disciples or the eyes of the onlookers. Hallelujah. I don't know what, which one, which eye you want to use to look at this particular uh, story. But I'm going to give you an overview or like the background to the story, and then we'll take off from there. Now, we know in the book of John that uh, John, according to John, Jesus performed seven miracles. The first miracle being uh, the uh, feast of Cana. How many remember the wedding feast where the mother said that whatever he tells you to do, do it. And he turned water into wine. And the end of the, or the last, the last uh, miracle that John talks about is this particular miracle where Lazarus was brought back to life. Amen. And uh, we know that the family that Lazarus was a part of was not the uh, typical type of family. For instance, most of us know that in any family there is a, a, a father, a mother, and then children, isn't it? But from, according to this story, we have Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, which probably suggests that either um, the, the parents had died, and at the time, Lazarus was probably the breadwinner for the family. Amen. Amen. And we also know, for, I mean, according to the, the book of John, that Jesus lived not too far away from Mary and Martha's place. I mean, uh, people, commentators say that probably about two miles away, which meant that it was about an hour's walk to Mary and Martha's um, house. And Mary and Martha, uh, Jesus was so familiar with Mary and Martha that most of the time he made their house his headquarters. 
That's where he, he entertained his guests. That's where he did mo most of his preaching when he was at home. Are you, are you getting the story? So Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who the, the, the John describes as the man who Jesus loved, were so close and so dear to, God, to, to Jesus. Amen. You see, the fact that you are close to God doesn't mean that you will not meet some issues. The fact that you are, you are close, you are, you are, your house is being used by God, by God to, to, to reach others. The fact that you are a Christian, the fact that you are doing your best for God doesn't mean that certain accidents and incidents will not happen your way. You know, things happen and there are reasons why things happen. Now we know for a fact that Jesus said that Lazarus is dead and I am glad. Because this death is not just for the sake of death, but this death is supposed to show the glory. Amen. It was supposed to show the glory. You see, the death of Jesus was not just an ordinary death, but he, he, was, he was made to die to buy our freedom. So I can say, Jesus is dead, and I'm glad. If Jesus could say Lazarus is dead and I'm glad, then this afternoon on the day we remember the, 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 the work of the cross and the crucifixion, I am also saying that Jesus is dead and I am glad. Hallelujah. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. Jesus is dead and I am glad because if he had not died, there's no way I would have been uh, uh, made to be the glory of, of Christ Jesus. There's no, no way I would have risen with Christ. If we are crucified with Christ, then we know that we will rise with him again. Hallelujah. He had to go to the cross to buy our freedom. Lazarus had to die to show that Jesus could not only heal those who were sick, but he could resurrect those who had died. Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible says in uh, chapter 11, verse 1, Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It is this Mary who anointed the Lord with a fragrant oil and wiped his feet with a hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Amen. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he who you whom you love is sick. And Jesus heard that. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Amen. And the son of, the, of God, that the son of God must be or might be Glorified. You know, when you look at that, that the two verses, we just, the, the third verse and the fourth verse, he said, the one whom you love, the one whom is dear to you, is dead. He's sick. He's about to die. Now, commentators say that at the time, Jesus had moved, he was not in the vicinity. He was about 20 miles away, which was roughly a day's journey. So he could have really made it as soon as he heard that 
Lazarus was sick. He could have made it there to heal Lazarus. Amen. I believe that God could have left Jesus on the earth and Jesus would have still continued preaching the gospel. He would have still continued um, healing the sick. But it would not have been effective. His ministry would not have transcended generation to today. Am I talking to somebody? You see, I'm, I'm telling the story that we all know from different perspectives. I hope you understand what I'm trying to do. So one is from Jesus' perspective. Two is from Mary's perspective. And three is from us. We the observers looking in. Amen. Now, Martha is very, very present that she needs answers. She needs a brother healed. She doesn't care what glory will come through resurrection or anything. All she wants is that the brother must be well. Because this brother is the person who keeps us. He is our source of survival. If he dies, what would we do? You see, when you go to a funeral and people are crying, it's not everybody who's crying because they are sad. There are various reasons why people cry at the wedding, at the funeral. Some are crying because this person who is dead, they owe me. Some are crying because this person promised me that he would take me, you know, to, 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 to some place or he would buy me a car or buy me a house or he would pay my fees. How, you cannot die now. Somebody is crying because this man's death will mean that I no longer belong to this family. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So people are crying for different reasons. See, Martha wasn't interested in the glorification of Jesus through the death of Lazarus. Uh, are, you, are you understanding what I'm saying? You see, sometimes we, we, we don't know why things happen the way they happen. The reasons why they happen the way they do. But the Bible says that when, when uh, uh, this uh, news was broken to Jesus, he tarried in the place. He stayed. You are dear to, 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 to the man, but the man doesn't respond at the hour of your need. He was very dear to Jesus, but Jesus similarly did not respond. Sometimes, it's not every time a delayed answer means that God has forgotten about you. Sometimes the delay is part of the answer. Sometimes the, the non-reaction supposedly is part of the answer. Sometimes the way he doesn't say anything is also an answer. But it doesn't look like it when you are in the, in the, in the issue. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 1 to 5. Keep your one finger in John chapter 11. We are coming back. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, 1 to 5. The Bible says that, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not, ve- not the very image of, of the things, can never with this, these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, Make those who approach perfect. Amen. For then would for then will they not have ceased to, to be offered. For the worshippers once purified 
would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there are a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. This is talking about Jesus. He's saying that in the olden days, we had the crucifixion of animals to shed the blood, to pay for the sins of the worshippers. So every time, they, 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 every year, they go to the uh, Shiloh or wherever, and they go and sacrifice and ask God for forgiveness. But even through that, sin was still prevalent. And the consciousness of sin was still with us. Are you with me? Today I'm behaving myself and I'm staying behind the pulpit. And, 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 but this time, God has prepared a body. And this body has been prepared for, uh, for his death. And the death was not for him, but for us. That by the shedding of his blood, and by his death and, and, and burial and resurrection, we are bought from slavery to sin. So that now we don't have the consciousness of sin anymore. We don't have the, the guilt of sin anymore. We don't have to live with sin. As many as believed on him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. Let's go back to our story. Let's go back to our story. Are, are, you, are you still following me? Okay, so we got to verse 4, isn't it? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days because he loved them. Ah, because he loves you, he will let some, some persecutions come your way. Because he loves you, he will let you go through some, some issues. Because he loves you, he will let some things happen to you. The fact that he loves you does not mean that you will not go through. I said the fact that he loves you does not mean that you will not go through. You will go through something. Amen. I said he... he, 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 he I don't know whether you are reading with me. Was it verse 6? So Jesus loved Martha. Can I come down now? I think I've behaved myself enough. And Jesus loved Martha and, his, and her sister and her brother Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. After he had stayed. Because he loved him. I mean, what type of love is this? If you love. Now, if you are a mother, if you are a mother, and you, you even hear something remotely close to this, would you not get angry with Jesus? <laughs> that he's saying that because he loves you, he will not come. 
I thought that if you love me, you will come and rescue me. If you love me, you will come and heal me. If you love me, you will come into my situation. You see, sometimes the thing that makes Christianity difficult is that the way we think is not the way God thinks. Ah, I don't know whether you are following what I'm saying. But the way we, 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 we think God should operate, that is not how God operates. God has his own way of looking at things. You see, I, I love you so much, Lazarus, that I've chosen you to taste death and come out of death to show the glory of God. But we don't see it that way. Why Lazarus? There were very bad people around. Why didn't you use one of those? Why are you using the pest? I mean, this is the man's house who you used to preach all the time. You come and eat all the time there. You and not just you alone. You come with your disciples. We feed you. We, clo- we clothe you. We give you a place to sleep. We don't touch you. You know, when you come and eat with, especially, uh, especially that Matthew guy who likes to eat a lot. Every time he's eating, every time he's eating, and Jesus, you have never ever once asked us, how do we manage to feed all of you all the time? It is the same Lazarus who goes to work and brings money so that we have food to feed all you, you guys all the time. It's not easy feeding Jesus and 12 disciples. Besides the women that followed. Including that Matthew guy. See, Matthew was a tax collector. See, people who work in offices who don't move much. They eat a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you see, they're always nibbling on something. They always it's always chocolate. They're always nibbling on something. As they are sitting at the desk, they are nibbling. And so Matthew was not very used to moving up and down like the other people, like the fishermen and everything. So when he comes to any place, he's always hungry. And he always has to eat, not only for now, but eat for the next time. He doesn't know when we are next eating. See, fishermen know how to control their hunger because when they go to sea, they don't control the time they'll come back. Are you with me? And and carpenters are also very, very uh, focused and busy when they are trying to, in the middle of, they will stop to go and eat. But task collectors, they're always sitting down, writing and eating, eating and writing, writing and eating, eating and writing. Always snacking. It's not easy feeding, feeding all these guys. But you see, he did all that. And now, the man who's been catering for you is in trouble. And then you say, you are not coming. And see, what what annoys me, now I'm talking like Martha, what annoys me is is that he gets up and says, let's go to Judea. You know, if if the man is sick and you know he's in Bethany, no, Judea, Bethany is in Judea. But when you say the man is sick and we are going to Judea, it doesn't mean that you are going to Bethany necessarily. necessarily. Are you with me? Let's assume that he was in Manchester. Are you with me? Manchester is about 30 miles so close. So let's assume that Jesus was in Manchester and he heard that. His friend, Lazarus, is sick in, in uh, Holbeck, in Leeds. 
And then he says that. Let's go to Leeds. There's a difference between saying, let's go to Holbeck. And saying, let's go to Leeds. Because Leeds could be anywhere. And we know for a fact that even though he, he said, let's go to Leeds, he stopped elsewhere. Because Leeds, he, he ended up four days. It took him four days. You know, this was two days. I don't know whether you get what he said. Let's go after two days. But we didn't get, he didn't get to Mary and Martha until four days. <laughs> so, obviously, obviously, he stopped somewhere. He did not rush to Holbeck or Bethany where um, Lazarus was lying sick. He went elsewhere. Because in the culture in those days, it was believed that when a man dies, within the first two, three days, he can come back. Within the first two days, he can come back. But when it goes past three days, that means that he's dead and dead properly. You see, you see, but Jesus knew that he was dead. But still, he wasn't coming. He was waiting. Let's read on. Let's read on. Where are we? Verse 7. And then after this, he said to, to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews are, are looking, they sought to stone you. And you are going there. And Jesus answered, are, you, are, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, oh, look at all this. When there's emergency, you are giving a whole teaching. Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. But if one walks, uh, where am I? Verse 11, these, these things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus So it means you knew. All this while that we were, we were sending messengers, because the first messenger that came was to come and say that he's sick. But another messenger came to say that now the sickness is crucial, critical. He didn't bother. Then the third messenger said that he's under the things. He's, he's dead. And still, I said still, still he's giving lectures on light and darkness, night and day. Whether the light is in him or light is outside of him. I don't, I don't understand what is going on. How many, how many of you are martyr, you will not be happy with this Jesus? This, uh, I, I don't know, but I'm even reading it, I'm getting offended. After everything that we've done for you, after all this that we've done for you, done, help. Now, now you are telling us that he's asleep. When you know very well he's dead, there's a difference between being asleep and being dead. If he's asleep, why should you, why should we, all 13 of us, walk all the way from where we are to Bethany to go and wake him up? 
Don't we have people who can do that? Can't Martha do it? Can't Mary do it? See, by, you see, when you are looking at the problem, you see it as death. But when God is looking at the problem, he sees it as sleeping. Uh, are you with me? So, sometimes, so, sometimes, sometimes we glorify the problem. You see, you either magnify the problem and minimize the solution, or you maximize the solution and minimize the problem. It's either you maximize your God so that the problem is become very small, or you max, maximize the problem and you make your God so small. We like to make our God very small because we always talk about the problem. We always, we, we never ever talk about God and what he can do. It's always what the problem is. Oh, my problem. Oh, my sickness. The devil is... When you, when you go to church and you hear Christians talking, you will think that Satan is bigger than God. You will think that Satan is, is mightier than God because we talk more about our problems and more about, about what we are going through than what Jesus can do. We don't see death as sleeping. As you read on, you see that now they are talking about stinking. They are talking about the man has done the body smelling and stinking and all sorts of. It's like you are giving us indica- you are giving intricacies of the magni- magnitude of the problem. The magnanimity of the problem is what you are talking about. From today, maximize your God and minimize your problems. We, we sing a song. Is there anything, is there anything too hard for him? Is there anything, anything, anything too hard for him? Most of it, that should be our song. That should be what we sing. That's so that we see death as sleeping. So that we see, you see, because if you see death as sleeping, all you have to do when somebody is sleeping is what? Oh, I'm just in my jack. Get up. That's it. If you begin to see your problem as something very small, it magnifies this God. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Where are we? 12. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. You see, one of the things about minimizing the problem is that you increase your faith. And you increase the faith of the people around you. If you make the problem small, obviously your faith on on the solution becomes bigger. Let the, 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 the poor say what? I'm rich. Let the sick say. We don't, we don't go 
before describing how we are poor, how we are sick, how things, you know, details of every, you know, the problem, the sad, doing that is minimizing your faith. We know that the disciples were very faithless people. How many agree with me? We know all the time that they're very, very faithless people. But the way Jesus describes their problem makes them even say that, listen, if we sleep, it will get well. We don't even have to bother. We can stand here and maybe make some noise. That will wake him up. Amen. Where are we? 13. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. And describe you can describe one thing that will make others think of the problem as some something else. In, we, in, in where in reality it is actually something else. So in reality it is death. There's a problem. But Jesus describing it says that he sleeps. And so he makes the people that are following him think that he's taking a rest in sleep. So all we have to do is just go there and go and wake him up. Maybe this type, of, that, this type of sleep is only the voice of Jesus that can make, wake him up. But he wake up nevertheless. So no, not a problem. Let's just go and preach it so we can continue our, pro, our uh, meetings in Judea. Uh, because we have a lot of things to do in Judea. Remember, it's better me just a little detour that we are doing. Hallelujah. Are you, are you still with me? Where are we? 14. Then, then Jesus said to them plainly, in case you didn't understand, <laughs> I actually mean that Lazarus is dead and I am glad. I don't know, but if I were one of the disciples from that day, I would fear the man. <laughs> I don't know about you, but <laughs> if if it ever happened to me one day, is that how you are going to re react? Are you going to say that I, Matthew, I'm dead, then you're happy. Because now you, I won't eat a lot and cause more, more problems for your people. Or what? Hallelujah. But you see, delay, delay in itself is not a denial. I said delay is not denial. Sometimes God delays in answering because God wants to show us something. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, look at Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and 5. Quickly. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Bible says that but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In the fullness of time, it means that there is a time process. You know, why didn't Jesus come in the days of Elijah? Why didn't Jesus come in the days of Moses? Why didn't Jesus come? You know, straight after Adam and Eve, 
we could have made Jesus come to solve the problem so we can move on. But the Bible says that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, verse 5, in the fullness, God knows how to make the process work. To redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. Amen. In the fullness of time. See, Easter, Easter is not just for us. Easter is also for those that have lived before us. So those who lived from the days of uh, uh, Noah up to this point had to receive salvation. And those who lived after Jesus going had to receive salvation. So in the fullness of time, God brought the two generations, if you like, together. The one before Christ and the one after Christ. That is how come it's only Jesus that is used as uh, to, to reflect time and dates. When you say 2020 or 2019, we are saying after the death of Christ. Are you with me? Which means that before there was some, there, there was a period. After there was a period. But the significance of what divides the two periods is the death. Am I making sense to somebody? So, in the fullness of time, he made Christ come and die. So that these will receive adoption. And then we who were alienated from Christ also received adoption. So now we also become sons and call God Abba Father. Am I making sense to somebody? But in the fullness of miracle takes place. Let's read on. Let's go back to John. Every blessing is time related. I say every miracle is time sensitive. Am I talking to somebody? It doesn't matter what you are suffering. It is time related. What verse am I on? 16. 15. I am glad for your sakes and that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. Then listen to Thomas. Then Th Tommy said, <sighs> Tommy, who is the twin? <laughs> he says, let us go so we may die with him. <laughs> if there's death all over the place, we might as well. Yeah, because remember they said that the, the Jews are looking after, looking for Jesus to kill him. And they said we should go and raise this man who is dead. Okay, let's go and all die. You know, Thomas in his mind was saying that, listen, if he's dead, he's dead. Leave him alone. Let us save ourselves. Let us not go. But Martha is grieving. Even still at this point, she still believed that within two days, three days, if Jesus were to make an appearance, something might happen. Hallelujah. So you are seeing the story from everybody's point of view, isn't it? Okay, let's read on. Verse 17. So when Jesus came and found that he had already been dead in the tomb for four days, now he has entered Bethany. We have crossed three days. We are now in the fourth day. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Then many of the Jews had joined the 
women around Martha and Mary to, comf- to comfort them. Be careful about the people who come to comfort you in trouble. I said, be careful about the people who come to comfort you in trouble. Because sometimes when people come to comfort you in trouble, they come to emphasize <laughs> and reiterate your problem. Oh, I don't know whether you understood what I just said. I said they, they come to reiterate your problem. They don't come to just uh, uh, comfort. No, not every comfort is comforting. <laughs> I don't know whether you understood what I said. Not every comfort is comforting. Some comforting is enforcing the negativity. Some comforting is saying that you are going to stay in this problem. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, so he left you. Oh, so he he left you at the altar. Oh, you had you mean you actually walked to the altar? You were in your wedding gown, and he he did not show. Oh, oh, but wait, wait. Let me call. Let me call Cynthia. Let me call. Let me call uh, Watermelandra. Let me call our friends. Let me call them. Then they call. She calls all of them. They all come come around. Then they come. Oh, 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 oh. You know what? I actually have my a friend, my friend whose name is Billy One. <laughs> so, and he's he 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 lives in Canada. He always, as I'm speak, speaking, I'm sure he's watching because he watches every live service. So, I, I had to confess before you guys start making this Billy thing that listen, I've used your name as an example. Because sometimes when I'm talking, just a name just comes. And his name just came. So I used him Billy One. That's his name, Billy One. <laughs> so I, I told I told him about I told him about then he said that he's very sure that the example will be good and bad. I said, how did you know? But mostly bad. I said, how did you know? <laughs> Billy has run away. Oh, oh, this is very sad. This is painful. You know, what happened to, listen, maybe this is deliverance. Maybe God allowed Billy to leave so that you will be delivered from being beaten every day. Maybe Billy has HIV. Have you thought of it? No, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh. Don't allow a lot of people to come and deal with you. Don't, don't allow. Some of us, we, we like the attention that we get. When, you know, somebody is dead, you, you, you call your friends, they come and they grieve this one day. Then you call, this is the seventh day, let's grieve. Then this is the 14th day, let's grieve. This is the 21st day, let's grieve. Stop that nonsense. This is the 
is the first time, maybe the tenth time, maybe the forty days, fifty days. Listen, it, it, it just compounds your pain. Yes. And you see, problems come in in multiples. Are you with me? So the O O O is bringing more because it was just pain. Now after the O, now you are depressed. After depression, mental illness is about to set in. Then you are going to uh, mental uh, mental illness because depression, bitterness, heartache. Then you start to see things and hear things. Before you realize it, you are taking your cup off. <laughs> Let's read on. Where are we? 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming when he met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. See, Martha was so angry, he had to go. Martha decided to go and meet him and face him. I won't wait for him to come. Because there are too many people crying, crying, so you think that I'm feeling sad. At, at the minute, I'm very angry with you. I don't want you to think that I'm sad. There's a difference between being sad and being angry. So I'm going to leave the house of sadness and meet you at the path of anger. So that I will tell you what I really think. So this meeting was not a, a meeting of uh, a meeting of oh, oh, oh. It wasn't oh meeting. It was a meeting of one being angry. Hallelujah. 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So even in her anger, there was an amount of faith. Remember, Mary was commended for choosing the good thing because she stayed at the feet of Jesus to hear the word but Martha was busy working you know when I look at the two characters I see Martha to be very choleric she's a go-getter very workaholic she's, she, and Mary was more of a melancholic pensive Reflective, always trying to think through things, you know. So even when the brother died and she's sitting at one corner, you know, still grieving and thinking through things. So you see that the conversation Jesus has with Martha is different from the conversation Jesus has with Mary. Are you with me? And it's the same dialogue. We're reading Mary's dialogue now. You see, we are reading Martha's dialogue. You see that the, 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 when it gets to Mary, the dialogue is slightly different. Let's read on. <clears throat> Where are we? Sorry? 23. Then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Amen. On Friday, Good Friday, Jesus died. But Sunday, he will rise again. I said, on Friday, Jesus dies. But Sunday, he will rise again. Amen. 
See, Martha was very, impu- very impulsive. She's a reactionary. Very impulsive, very reactionary. First Corinthians 2 8. Bible says that which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. See, God has prepared some things. And sometimes when you don't take, take time, your impulsive nature will make you go ahead of God. Your impulsive nature will make you curse God. Am I talking to somebody? On this day of, of uh, Good Friday that we remember the crucifixion of Jesus, I want you to understand that if we don't take care and we don't become more contemplative like uh, Mary and become impulsive, we'll end up sabotaging our blessings sometimes. It's not every time that you need to go ahead. Am I talking to somebody? Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, shall not, shall live. Amen. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Hmm. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said this, she went away secretly and called Mary, his sister. The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard, she arose quickly. Now this is Mary. And came to him. And Jesus, now Jesus had not come into the town, but was in the place where Mary met him. Then the Jews who, where Martha met him, and the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her you know those people the comforters when they saw see the comforters <laughs> let me say something about the comforters before I continue the comforters <laughs> they are not very good people I say the comforters they are not very good people they were trying to enforce the sorrow on Mary by keeping Mary in the place of sadness. So when Mary rises up and is going, they say if he's leaving the house, she's going to the tomb. Let's go and catch her. Because there's only one, two places you can go now. You're either sad at home or you're going to cry by the grave. Beware of comforters. I said beware of comforters. Say went out. They followed her saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. The comforters are just interested in seeing and ensuring that Mary is always weeping. So either she's weeping at home or she's weeping by the grave. Whatever she does, she must still be weeping. So when you're in trouble and your friends come around and the ones that are always, oh, so, so, eh, so, what has happened to the problem? Eh, so, so, those are the comforters. They are coming to ensure that you are weeping. 
Hallelujah. Next verse. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, see, Mary didn't fall. Martha didn't fall. Martha just came. You see, sometimes you have to read between the lines to understand the story. Because remember, the writer is a follower of Jesus. So in his eyes, he has to try and make this. Even when the person is blasting Jesus, he has to make it sound, look, and feel that it's not a blasting. <laughs> you get it. But the actual play, if you can read between the descending, the conversation Martha had with Jesus wasn't a very sweet and palatable one like that. <laughs> Mary comes and falls at his feet. Saying, Lord, if you had been here, that's the same words. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Hest was in worship. Martha's was in confrontation. Can you see the difference? And then you look at the reaction. Because one is saying, it's not what you're saying, it's how you say it. One is saying that if you had been here early, if you had come early, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in this situation. Why did you delay? Then one comes and says, oh, worship. I know if you had been here, we wouldn't have been in this issue. The two are not the same. Then they saw, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit because he was troubled. The next verse, the shortest verse in the whole scripture. And Jesus wept. The only time Jesus was moved to tears was when Mary had touched something in him through worship. It was worship. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't through confrontation. Sometimes we go to God, our prayer is more confrontational than worship. Like Martha. But Mary goes in worship and draws draws Compassion. See, anytime a miracle is going to be effective and done, there must be compassion. You need compassion. You need some love. You need some love to be drawn out of you so that you can meet that. Amen. 37, 36. Then the Jews said, See, oh, how, you know, this comfort is. See, oh, how he loved them. <laughs> Next verse. Then some of them said, Could not this man, this is the comforters, the same people who said this verse. That's why me, I have a problem with comforters. <laughs> Could not this man have opened the eyes, who opened the eyes of the blind? also have kept this man from dying. He could have done it. You see, we know he opens eyes. So if he keeps somebody from dying, it's the same. 
But now that he's dead, he, we know he can't do anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where are we? 38. Then Jesus, groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Now, this looks very familiar. This looks very familiar. Lazarus is put in a cave. A stone is covered. Jesus is put in a, in a tomb. And a cave or a stone is put in front of it. Hello? Can you see the similarities? Jesus was put on the cross. Lazarus is dead. Jesus gives up the ghost and dies. When he says it's finished, he has died. But his death is for our glory. Lazarus' death was to proclaim the glory of God through Jesus that he can also raise the dead. God, hitherto, no man had been able to resurrect another person from the dead. Are you with me? So there's a lot of similarities here. Amen. And what verse am I on? 39. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, he stinks. For he has been dead four days. And Jesus had to rebuke Martha. Sometimes the way to deal with impulsive people is to shout at them. Sometimes that's the only way they, they wake up. How many have dealt with impulsive people? Choleric people? <gasps> Sometimes you need to, hey! Sit down. Because if you don't say that, they just go, they fly off the handle. They don't even think when they are talking. They just talk. They don't remember that it is the master you are talking to. Because if Martha knew that this is God made man, made flesh. Remember a few verses say that we know you are Christ. So she knew she was talking to God made flesh. And now she's trying to correct him by saying that by now he thinks. Don't roll the stone. And Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Sit down there and let them roll the stone. Mary is quiet, ready for the miracle. Martha is blocking the miracle by preventing it the stone from being rolled. I don't know whether you are getting this. Sometimes we sabotage our own miracles by being too clever. How many know what I'm talking about? You, 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 you read through things too much. You are, you are too logical. The Bible says that the carnal man receives nothing from God in that they are spiritually discerned. 
To be carnal means to be calculated. To be carnal means to be logical, to be thoughtful, to be passive. You are too carnal. You are too alive. Jesus said, except you be converted and be like a child. The things of the kingdom don't belong to you. Amen. When you are calculating, salvation doesn't make sense. How can a man who died 2,000 years ago, how can his blood save me? Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for our sins. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things are you with me? Heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. For Christ has not entered the holy for Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands which are copies of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So the writer of Hebrews is now explaining why it was necessary for his death. Amen. Why he was put in the tomb. The tomb is not a copy. Because the tomb is a natural thing. See, when, when in the olden days when the, the uh, goat is killed or the bull is killed, the cow is killed, it's just a copy of the real. But the copy cannot go into the real. Are you with me? The shadow cannot come into the natural. The Old Testament is a shadow. So the death of the cows, the bulls, and the, the, the blood being used was not um, the same as his death. And Jesus' death was not just for him to be put in a tomb. But that place that he was put in was the presence of God. He, was, he took our sins on the cross. He paid the punishment on the road of Calvary to the cross they spat on him they rejected him a crown of tongues was laid upon his head they spat at him we, we read in uh, uh, Isaiah 53 that we esteemed him stricken a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief he bore our transgressions he took away our sorrows the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and with his stripes we are healed are you with me? He, he had to take that, that punishment which was our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be, a, to be sin for us so that now that he has gone in, carried our sin and paid the price. He carries our, our sins by his blood. He enters the tomb but it's not just an ordinary tomb. He enters the presence of God with the blood, his blood for our sakes. Are you with me? And he presents our, his blood 
as an atonement for our sins. So when we come to a day like this and we are remembering the, 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 the blood of Jesus, we are remembering Jesus, let us not just remember the story, the punishment, and the cross. But let's remember that his blood was what he took into the presence of God as an atonement for our sins. You've missed a good place to put your hands together. I said you missed a good place to put your hands together. The, the, the blood, you know, when people read this scripture we just read, that's uh, Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, people just think about just the uh, the cross, his blood being presented like I've just said to, to, to God. But you see, without the, the death, we don't have a testament. I don't know whether you can understand that. Let's say I have a will. I write a will. That will never comes into force until I'm dead. Does that make sense? Remember that he came to be a bridge between the old and the new. The old need to become adopted. The new also have to be adopted. Now, if they are being adopted, what are they being adopted into? Are they being adopted into the old covenant? Or are they being adopted into a new covenant? Now, here's the case. The new covenant has not come as yet. So what are they being adopted into? So one of the reasons why the blood and the death of Christ needed to happen was for the, 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 test, the, the will to come into effect. And for the people who were part or who were beneficiaries of the will to get the benefits. I'm using some legal terms. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. That in every will, there are beneficiaries. So I say, okay, let my blue socks be given to Denzel. I have a lot of sweets. Uriah gets all the sweets. Now, Denzel and Uriah, they are the beneficiaries of my will. But if I'm not dead, they can't receive it. Are you with me? They have to. Culturally, they have this thing that when somebody dies, there's a day that we, uh, people come to sit down. That's the day that they open the well or they open the, the door to say, this man gets that, this man gets that, that man gets that, yes. So Jesus had to die for the will to be read and for us to become beneficiaries of the new covenant. So when we come to the to the uh, communion table it reminds us that now we are beneficiaries of that will what is the will so the will, the blood of jesus speaks better things than the blood of abel because the blood of abel speaks atonement uh, vengeance but his blood speaks atonement his blood speaks mercy grace his blood speaks that even though we have sinned he has, he ever lives to make intercession 
He never lives to, 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 to even explain to God why we must be forgiven. Hallelujah. Let's finish the story. Where are we? Verse 30 what? Let's finish the story. 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Now they are not calling him Lazarus. They are calling him dead man. And Jesus, and you see, it's, it's very significant because the dead man is you and I. I said the dead man is you and I. Before the grave, they called him Lazarus. Say Lazarus is dead. By now he stinks. But at this particular scripture, it is not Lazarus' name they are using anymore. They say the dead man. Look at somebody and say that you are the dead man. You see, when Sunday morning comes, it's not just Jesus who resurrects, but we all resurrect with him. I said we all resurrect with him. It, it, it is not only, you see, Lazarus is resurrecting, but he's resurrecting to make us know that the Savior can bring back to life that which was dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he goes on. Let's, let's finish. Let's finish. They took and then he said, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing, remember the comforters are there, the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he had, and he who had died, came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped in a cloth and Jesus said loose him and let him go hallelujah loose him and let him go he came out but he was still bound when Jesus was resurrected he was not bound Bible says that on Sunday morning the angels sat on the stone and said, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? But Lazarus came bound. You and I need help. Even in our resurrection, we need the fathers, we need the masters authorization for some things to be loosed off us. That's how come the day you get born again, you still need to be in the church. That's how come you get born again, you, you meet Jesus, you are resurrected, now this new spirit is inside of you, but you still have to stay in church because you are still bound with some grave clothes. You may not be dead yet still, but you are still bound. Because Do you know that if you have grave clothes and you are alive, you are still dead? Because you still can't see and you still can't move. You, still, you are still bound. He, he came out like that. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is why you and I ought to stay in church. 
Because anytime you come to church, one layer of the thing that is holding you bound is taken. One layer is taken. One layer is taken. One layer is taken. One layer is taken. One layer. So you may be in church. You are you are born again, saved, but you are still bound in some areas. That's okay. Still stay in the presence of the master. Because as you stay, one layer and layer, precept of precept, here a little, there a little, something is coming out of you. And he says that we don't see the behold, we see the glass dimly. But when he comes, we'll be like him. We will reflect his glory. We are going to come out brighter. I believe that Lazarus came out a better person than his death. I believe that Lazarus came out better in every area, every sphere of his life. He was much better than how he was when he died. I see you being blessed. I see you resurrecting. I see you being free. I see this crucifixion and the blood of Jesus working out a new work in your life so that your life will never be the same again. So that the things that have held you bound from today, I prophesy being, you being loose. I said, I prophesy you being loose. Loose him and let him go. Touch your neighbor and say, Lord, loose him and let him go. Touch yourself, your heart and say, Lord, loose me, loose me in any area I'm bound and let me go. Stand to your feet.